0: the campus of Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. You're listening to the G Suite Podcast, where we discuss all things Zag business. Episode seven, Julie Fry is a senior investment officer in the Strategic Investment Fund at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. A former Jesuit Volunteer Corps volunteer in Nicaragua, Julie talks about her journey and the impact of Gonzaga. I love, I love your journey. I love your story. Um full disclosure, Julie and I went to um undergrad together and studied in Florence together, uh in Kilimanjaro together. So we go back, but the hundreds and thousands of people uh that are <laughs> listening right now don't know your journey. So take me, take me to the 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 formative days uh uh and, and what brought you to Gonzaga.
1: What brought me to Gonzaga?
0: Wow. Um, Through through, through
1: the whole, yeah. yeah. What brought me to Gonzaga was I looked at all these beautiful California schools, right? Sunny, relaxing, pools, you name it. And I looked at one other school, which was Gonzaga, right? And let me tell you, if there isn't something special about Gonzaga to choose, you know, with all due respect to Spokane and Washington, Sure, sure. <laughs> it has to be a pretty phenomenal school to choose yeah. that over over some very beautiful campuses on the West Coast.
0: Sure. Um, or get like a ride scholarship or something
1: like that. <laughs> Uh, so that's what brought me to Gonzaga. Um, I I won't lie that uh, the ability to study abroad with you all in Florence and then um, as you know I also studied abroad in El Salvador. Um, thank you Washington Society of CPAs for requiring an extra year of school. Um, I think that was also very transformative and, and uh, the university was incredibly supportive of those learning opportunities that expand uh, beyond the classroom. So I think those were Tremendously formative, um, but then if you if you'll allow me, I'll jump right into what happened after Gonzaga.
0: Let's hear. And I, I want, so I was actually meeting with some folks today on uh, developing study abroad for the grad schools. Yeah. Um, and yes. there are crazy statistics that are like, "Why did you come to Gonzaga study abroad opportunities?" So totally after that. But go ahead. What happened? Yes. No.
1: Time? Oh my gosh. I. I um, well, I there's just nothing like it. I really think it is just there are very few learning opportunities that are more transformative than than being able to study abroad. Um, so I really think one of the things that has been consistent across my career post Gonzaga is the um is the tremendous value of the community of the Gonzaga community. So, as many uh, so my background was in accounting and finance, and as many of us have done, I went to one of the Big Four after Gonzaga, and Talk about the value of the uh, Gonzaga alumni. So I can think of two stories uh, specifically. One is I remember my first day at KPMG, and you know you are 22 and trying to act like you are fancier than you are, and you're wearing this suit that feels laughable that you're wearing a suit. And we went to this restaurant, and I was watching what everyone was ordering, and it was clear that um, ordering some fancy seafood dish was the appropriate thing to do. I had never eaten seafood in my life, and so not knowing. <laughs> what some of, you know, some of the differences in these seafood choices are, I chose mussels. Oh, and wow. yeah. uh, and well, then the tiny little fork came out and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so, needless to say, um, I think Chris Richards was probably at the table and, uh, you know, I uh, he did a great job storytelling throughout the lunch and we could just ignore the fact that I had no idea how to properly uh, eat mussels. And, I have since, you know, tried many seafood options away from professional companies.
0: <laughs> how, how does someone grow up in King County, in the West Side, and right. not have significant exposure yeah. to seafood? Yeah. So
1: it's, it's really just a, a very unique story to me is that my mom is uh, very allergic to seafood. And so the smell of cooking seafood had sent her to the hospital before. Um, so we just stayed away from it in our household. <laughs> yeah, it's probably good, a good
0: thing. So. But
1: I quickly was like, oh my gosh, I need to know how, what to do here. So that was one. And then I will also just point out a story. Um, the CFO of Gonzaga University, um, Joe Smith, also asked me uh, within my first few months of working there if I was ready for an adventure to go look at a client out in Minnesota. And of course, always up for adventure. I said yes. And little did I know after landing at the airport in Minneapolis in the middle of winter, he took us you know, onto the freeway to wherever we were going. And um, I think Joe is a much more experienced than I am in driving snow. But before you knew it, I think we had careened off the freeway and into a side bank. Um, so let me tell you Gonzaga alumni are always up for an adventure. We were safe, we were fine. And uh, we went on to the rest of that experience. So um, so that was kind of the very beginning of um, of my work post Gonzaga. Um, and, but then I think one of the things Gonzaga does a tremendous job is knowing is helping us to find what's really important to us. And so for me, I'm not a person that is highly driven by titles or money. Um, and so through that, decided to join uh, Desert Volunteers and moved to Nicaragua, where my first job was actually um, I don't know that you know this I actually sold um, sheep and chickens um, from the local farm. <laughs> what? Wow. Okay. It was was sold to me as a microfinance opportunity, which I was super intrigued by, because I really wanted to understand. You know, there was at that point in time, there was a lot of talk about either microfinance is like this silver bullet to helping low-income people throughout the world really kind of escape some of the challenges of poverty, or it was demonized as like this way that you were really kind of extracting value from people who couldn't afford it, and I was just honestly curious, like. It, what is the value of this and I you know my short synopsis is it's much more nuanced it can be very positive um, in terms of it prevents it gives people an opportunity to borrow money without going to a loan shark but I don't think it's some you know panacea um but in that process you know I was fortunate enough to be exposed to many realities of the community and one of them was hey, we just need you to do whatever we need you to do and they' had a farm where they grew chickens and sheep and then, you know, the, it was a economical way for people to buy uh, meat in the community. So it would come down to me in this big chest and very large chunks of meat. And at the time I was vegetarian. Oh, no. I would, <laughs> I, would <laughs> I would take this knife and chop up the meat and then uh, sell oh, right. it. So, you know, it's it's not similar from the study abroad. I think there's so many things to learn in our world. And um, I think taking a non-linear path sometimes that that has purpose um, can be really beneficial. <laughs>
0: Yeah, wow. That's. I want to ask what the going rate for the, 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 a kilo a sheep was back then, but it might not. <laughs> it might not. <laughs> so you you minored in Spanish, right? Is that right? Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so in in Jesuit volunteer corps, was there any English going around, or were you guys pretty much in Spanish? Yeah,
1: right? no, no. There was um. So just go back to. So I studied in. El Salvador first, which is kind of my first, you know, I I took Spanish all through high school, I took it in college, had an exchange student, um, studied abroad in El Salvador, and that was predominantly Spanish as well. So at one point, I was living up in a community where um, they had never met an English speaker in their life. So it was definitely like pure Spanish. And then similarly, in Nicaragua, um, they, uh, it was all a Spanish speaking community. So um, I love languages and I am terrible at them so (laughs) as I tell my children I'm like growth mindset I'm not yet good at them but man I might be 99 before I'm yet good at them so (laughs) um but my dear colleagues down there were super patient, and um and yeah we we made it work and I got better over time but this at this point in time when I call them just to catch up and see how they're doing they're always like Julie your Spanish is atrocious what have you been doing so
0: you know well, it's, I mean, it's. It's like true immersion is. It, it can be hard to find, but when you get it, it's like it's kind of like I, I have to figure this out, or I'm not getting my laundry done, or I'm not <laughs> eating dinner, or something like that. And It's. I mean, in, in Peace Corps, I remember being dropped off and looking around at the village, and being like, "Oh my god, better start and, you know, <laughs> get my dictionary out and started going to town." Or, Unlike our Florence experience, where I think they speak better English in central Florence than, than I than I do. Probably not you, but uh, so anyway, but grace stuff. Okay, yeah. so Jesuit Volunteer Corps, Nicaragua, that's two years? Is it two years? Two, two years. Yeah, exactly. Two years. Speaking some pretty good Spanish coming out of there. You're a CPA at this point, right?
1: I am a CPA. So I made sure that I stayed with KPMG and did all the requirements to, to get my CPA and Maintained my continuing education while I was in um, Nicaragua. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, the computers that we had access to at that point in time, which, you know, not to date us, but they were a little bit slow. And it was a, it was a bit of a tricky process that we managed. Um, and yeah, then I came back to Seattle. I knew I wanted to be in Seattle. This is where my family's from. And um, But I was trying to figure out, like, OK, how do we weave these together? And, you know, one of the things Gonzaga does such a great job of is just teaching us how to be critical thinkers, how to work hard, and just honestly, how to be good people. I think um, that's such a generic framing, but people actually like working with good people, right? And so it's not something that someone's gonna hire you because you can list on your resume, but once they know you, I think it really is a selling point. And so one of the former partners at KPMG said, come work for me as long as you want until you find what you want to do. So I did that. Okay. And um, that was, you know, not work that I wanted to do, but it was, it paid the bills and that was, I made $42 a month in Nicaragua. So it was time to earn something slightly more than that. <laughs> um, and and then, you know, community comes back up again because um, the famous one and only Dr. Eddie Beer said, hey, the controller at the Gates Foundation happens to be a Gonzaga alumna, Jennifer Dagger, and she's hiring for a position. I really think you should apply for it. And, so I I had actually seen the position, but I wasn't sure if it was a fit for me. But I met with her and um, before you knew it, I've been here 15 years. So that oh, was that's awesome. That's that awesome. ended up being a really important step.
0: I didn't realize Eddie was the connection there. Uh by far my favorite professor. I, I don't I don't know what it what it was about him, but he just he always got the most out of me in class. Like I would, you know, he, and I think for a lot of students he did that. So um yeah so well, he's, still, he's still around he's still playing new ball you know he's still you
1: didn't, you didn't want to disappoint him right he had <laughs> expectations and you wanted to meet those expectations
0: right like, absolutely 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 and, and i yeah i I totally did and I, I i you know when i started teaching i it was kind of like what would eddie do was my approach <laughs> to those things i don't know if I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as channeling that kind of energy that eddie brings out so I kind of opted for more of a clown, clown approach and, you know, give everybody A's. So, you know, no, I don't do that. But um, speaking of Eddie, this is a true story. He this is probably about five or six years ago. We had a professor's basketball game.
1: Oh, amazing.
0: And the GU broadcasts, uh, the comm department, put cameras up. We're in the Martin Center. They, <laughs> they had announcers and a play-by-play, a lot of people there. It was it was definitely in the first half. I don't know how far in the first half. Eddie takes a huge fall on his knee, shakes it off. He didn't sit the whole game. He never took a substitute. Uh, played it through. I think we won. I was on his team. I think we won. Uh, goes to the hospital after that, and he had cracked his kneecap like into four some, four pieces.
1: Oh my God! Yeah,
0: yeah. Played played the game. Yeah.
1: Wow, I mean, you professors there are exceptional in many ways.
0: Montana, Montana <laughs> is, is the exceptional one. So, well, so so very cool. So you started at Gates in an accounting financial kind of position. What was that?
1: Exactly, exactly. Yep. So I started just in their accounting group. You know, one of the things that I often actually tell Gonzaga students is, if you know what you want to do and you don't yet quite have the qualifications for whatever it is that you want to do. Go to an organization whose values or whatever they do you're interested in that's growing, right? And that was very true of the Gates Foundation in 2008. So we had just received a large gift from Warren Buffett. Um, the organization was about 500 people, and there was not enough bodies to do all the work that was that was needed. And so Jennifer Dagger said to me, she was like, "Hey, you do this well. Feel free to take on any additional work that you want to that you're passionate about." Um, and that was like. Um, I, for better or for worse, have been known to work hard. Maybe you know at the sacrifice of other things, and um, and so was able to do that. And and long story short, ended up um, really finding work that has been um, really exciting to me over the last several years.
0: So, and is your tell me a little about your role today? Has it changed over time? Or, I mean, are you just kind of moved up in the same area? Yeah.
1: I've always been broadly under the finance and accounting umbrella at the foundation, but I've had six or seven different roles. Um, So if you take my role today versus where I started at in accounting, there's almost nothing similar about the two roles other than numbers. Um, So today I make investments on behalf of the foundation where they're strategically aligned to the 36 strategies of the foundation. So given that most people are not necessarily familiar with the foundation. We focus on um, infectious disease and global health. So HIV, malaria, tuberculosis. We focus on maternal and child health. and then we focus on U.S. education and sanitation. There's, there's 36 of these strategies. And our goal is to basically get the private sector to care about these issues and decide that what we are doing and what they are doing, that there is strategic alignment and build out these strategic partnerships um, with financial backing.
0: So you guys probably
1: knew about COVID like six months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we I mean we definitely were aware of it in January. Um but I think importantly, and this is where you know there was a lot of misinformation in 2020, which was highly unfortunate from a public health perspective. But we what we had been doing was figuring out how we could get large healthcare companies to care about infectious disease because non-communicable diseases, so, you know, diabetes, hypertension, et cetera, that is where all the money is in the world, in healthcare, right? Infectious, but you can actually take, cancer is another one. You can take some of those same biotech platforms and actually use a lot of how that technology works and apply it to infectious disease. But infectious disease prior to COVID, (laughs) the profit margins in that area. Yeah. are almost non-existent, right? Um, you know, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, they're not highly profitable units because the majority of the disease burden are in low, low and middle income countries. Um, so we had figured out how to make those partnerships work with a bunch of different companies and um, that proved to be somewhat useful um, as, as COVID began.
0: Wow. Crazy. What a, what a crazy ride. Still is a crazy ride on, on some level. So well, very, very cool um and, and so tell me a little bit about how you you talked about you started talking about you know you're kind of a yes person maybe sometimes to hard worker no i don't say yes person hard worker likes new challenges um maybe to a fault at time you're you're, you're i don't not <laughs> kind of, kind of about it. that's what you were saying so um how, how did you, and, and I would imagine Gates is pretty progressive, but um, how do you manage working working your way up? What are you doing? What are you looking for to get to the next level, to get to the next? Level?
1: Yeah, so I probably have a little bit of a um, unique perspective in that regard. So I have never looked for promotions that are going to take me away from the work that I find most valuable to do. So there's been opportunity, like, I think if I'd wanted to stay in a peer kind of finance or accounting role, I could have risen through different ranks and done different jobs much faster, but I'm highly driven by taking these financial skills and figuring out how um, they apply, how we can have impact in the world. And so through that, I said, I was highly interested in, you know, there's a team of about 10 of us who do this, uh, who make these investments. We have a 2.5 dollars Um, envelope to make these investments and that was far more intriguing to me than figuring out like how I could have some title or some salary Um, and the team happens to be full of personalities, somewhat like mine (laughs) and we are really I think one of the things that excites us most is like I learn something new every day right so if you took me to trivia at a bar I would be the worst person on your team like I would add no value (laughs) But if you want to know about like why livestock vaccines in sub-Saharan Africa um, could be such a game changer, or you want to understand like why you can get a ministry of health to care about community health workers who they typically don't care about, like I can answer some of those questions and solving some of those puzzles and um, in partnership with with companies throughout the world is, is like incredibly engaging and exciting to me, even knowing that a lot of things fail.
0: Right. You know, I, so uh, I was in international tax at in Deloitte uh, for a brief stint before coming here. And <clears throat> our work is a little less noble than your work. Uh, <laughs> but um, one of the cool aspects, and <laughs> one of the cool aspects uh, of it, well, there was a cultural aspect, like so having meetings with, so we've worked with the Florence Italy office of, of all places. Uh, and I'd ask them about, you know, what's happening and what's going on. And, you know name a i don't remember the bars anymore but you know name a bar sometimes they know it sometimes they wouldn't but um it, it was fun because that you you would educate each other right i'm not an expert in eu tax law but and or italian specific and um yeah, and through that process i just always thought it was fascinating how different cultures approach raising revenue uh, and we even have calls where i'd be like Luxembourg and South Korea are on the line together. Of course, it's like 2 a.m. for, for me, right? Um, but I would imagine you had some pretty your cultural acumen is like through the roof at this point. Like you can um, but are you get to travel a lot? You're you're working directly with with folks.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you know, the good and bad of the travel, I think, um, you know, being both us being parents, I think. Travel is so thrilling, except it turns out children actually typically hate when parents travel. So, you know, that's a that's a little dynamic that we wrestle with in our family. Um, but I I love the travel and my my portfolio really is global, right? So I have investments in sub-Saharan Africa, I have investments in Europe, I have investments in the US, I have investments in South and Southeast Asia. Um no investments in Australia, yet. you know, I'm waiting to hit all and and we and unfortunately the foundation doesn't do any work in Latin America. Um, but you know but it is it's phenomenal just like the kindness of people throughout the world and the generosity of people both in teaching you when you you know make a moronic mistake like they're I think they're very generous but also just like caring about you as an individual right like I still remember the time I ended up in this hotel in Jakarta Indonesia and the woman was like oh you must really miss your kids like I remember when you came last time and she'd somehow like got these two little stuffies for me to take home to the kids and had written them a note, right? So I'm just constantly amazed at how people show up throughout the world uh, in a way that has, keeps me very humbled and shows me how much more I have to learn and do.
0: That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Getting away is fun at first, but then you always miss your kids after a while and then go hang out for a couple of weeks and you're like, then probably ready for it. I'm not speaking for you. I'm just, I've heard, so I've heard, you know. <laughs> um, where's, where's the coolest place you've been in all your travels?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, so, so we have this, um, investment in this livestock vaccine manufacturing, which is a partnership with a company in India that developed this facility, uh, just outside Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And, um, so I was there for a few days and, you know, they're building the facility and we're talking about all the different livestock vaccines that we're going to make and, I have to be honest, I'm super excited about the work that's being done there. It's ironic because I was not a child who grew up with pets and I like never had a true affinity for pets, but I'm like, oh no, this actually makes sense to me. Like this is effectively people's bank accounts with the animals. But I had a I had like two extra days. And so I went off to Zanzibar for a couple of days. Um, awesome. yeah. And like, you know, I um I because of where I was coming from, I ended up taking this local ferry from Dar over to Zanzibar, right? And it was um it it was uh, during in the middle of Ramadan and so unbeknownst to me I ended up going out on the deck of the ferry where it was it was um, you know all these men who were praying and so I quickly tried to go a different way to be respectful to what they were doing but it was just this amazing like super choppy waters I mean we were just like I was like um, and all these all these men who were praying all of a sudden started giggling because the waves are just like bounding us all over the place Um, and Zanzibar was amazing and you know I think you could go there on a once-in-a-life vacation, but I just happen to have a couple of days and I could sneak over there. So. Yeah.
0: Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. So, what, what's vacation like for you? Probably want to stay local. Probably get hiking and camping. I
1: mean, the Pacific Northwest <laughs> in summertime, it's very hard to, you know. So I do try to. I'm always like, I do think you need me to go to canyon February when it's like, you know, totally <laughs> a little bit of a break from this gray and, um, yeah, and and equal but opposite in the summertime. I really try to stay local as much as I can.
0: Right, right. I just follow summer wherever summer is. Yeah. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: For sure, but well, very cool. So, if you, what's what, what's your what's the what's your favorite part? What's the coolest part about your job? I mean, you talked about a lot of cool things. but If you could say one thing, what would it be?
1: You know, I don't. I don't, coolest. I well, I think these are tied together. So, um, our team really seeks out truth over being right. we have like vicious arguments on our team and we have, you know, we're really like, we are not interested in like showing these like beautiful impact numbers if we don't think they correlate with reality, right? Because there's a lot of ways that you can put some window dressing on numbers and make them having a lot of impact. Um, But that's just, it's not the culture of our team to do that. And so I really appreciate that aspect of our team. Um, I think what that has meant is that some investments that I was really excited about, honestly led to no impact at all. But I've also had some, Um, investments that have led to some pretty cool, unique impact. Um, So I have this partnership with UNICEF that's accelerated product availability of more than a billion dollars worth of commodities. And it's just like one of 10 projects that I have in my portfolio. Um, And so that's a billion dollars worth of, you know, vaccines and bed nets and a whole bunch of commodities that have gotten there in advance. Um, And we've had zero losses on the facility. So I actually wouldn't mind if there were small losses, because it probably means we're taking the right amount of risk, um, but it's accelerated a lot of kind of life-saving products uh, to low and middle-income countries. So that's kind of a fun, fun little win.
0: Yeah, I mean, the just the impact. You probably sleep well at night, you know, it's like, oh yeah. Just yeah say- I mean, I think we're all the same
1: yeah. that you're like, oh, what's not going right? As opposed to like- Yeah, right, totally. <laughs>
0: such, a, such an accountant, right? Focus on the negative for sure. Have you, have you met anybody famous? Like. Kofi Annan or somebody like that. I don't
1: know. Um, yes. Uh, Jane Goodall was here at one point. Awesome. Um, so we met her. Um, it, it turns out that the um, some people know the co-chairs of our organization, so I've met them. Sure. Um, I'm sure we've had we've had a few other people kind of come through at different times. Um, Bono's been through, and you know some other some that's,
0: other. That's cool. That's cool.
1: I, I have to be honest with you. I am like the person who doesn't know famous
0: people though, right? I'm like <laughs> it's someone totally,
1: over the head with it.
0: <laughs> you totally see you just hanging out. Uh,
1: I did I did once ask John Stockton for his ID when I worked at the center. No way. I didn't know who. He was, I mean, I like I knew who John Stockton was. But I didn't know what he looked like. And I was a freshman at Gonzaga, and I was working at the athletic center checking IDs.
0: Wow. And I
1: learned very quickly. <laughs> who he was.
0: So was this to this was to get so to get into like the fitness center to work yeah. out because alumni used to be able to do that. Wow, yeah. Was I mean I'm sure he's probably super nice about it, but it was super so 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 nice say.
1: about it. But I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a learning opportunity.
0: So oh, then you look, so you look at his ID, you're like, oh, you read his name. Is that when you're like, oh?
1: I don't think he took it. I think he was just like, I, he's like, I'm pretty sure I can get in here, you know, without an ID. And I, I took a, you know, I did a quick analysis there, and I was like, I'm pretty sure. And then yeah. I, up right behind me, he's like, You know who that is, don't you? And I was like,
0: Um, <laughs> you no, know? wow, that's wow, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, my dad was uh on actually in his apartment building at the time. Um, and Cuba Gooding Jr. was shooting something in Spokane, and it was long term, so he got a, a, an apartment in his building. And my dad gets on the elevator with him, and kind of looks and he's like, do, do I know you? Have we met before? kind of thing. And he's like, I don't think so, like, super nice about it, it? and <laughs> then. My dad is probably like, you know, in his sweats and a ratty T-shirt or something going to get the paper (laughs) or something like that in the morning. But, um, wow, craziness. Very cool. Um, Looking back on your journey, you've talked a little bit about the impacts uh, of of Gonzaga. uh, And you articulated that very well, actually, in in your your study abroad. Um, You seem pretty content with what you do. if you if you could change anything about your journey, uh, what would it what would it be? Hmm,
1: that's a good question. Um, if I could change anything, I, I mean, the only thing I would say is is probably twofold. Like early on, I was so focused on like carving out the career that I wanted to carve out, and like as a component of that, living very frugally, right? So. Um, you know, I, that first year out of college, I ate a lot of ramen <laughs> like, right. and I think like, you know, you get to this point in life, you're like, you, oh, you could have relaxed a little bit, right? You could have just enjoyed the journey a little bit more, right? like, and now hopefully I, I feel like I do that um, a little bit better than I used to.
0: Yeah. So that's the
1: thing is like, I think, and that's probably just more to my personality, but I was like, oh yeah, like you can just tone it down just a little bit. Because our lives are phenomenal, right? And we have so much opportunity. Um, with the people we meet and the work we can do and the lives we can live and just recognizing that every day. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of ways to live that out um, that don't always require such focus and that, that nervousness, right? Like, I don't know if you ever felt this, but like, if you think about your career journey yourself, you're always like, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Right. And at some point you just got to probably just chill up at least you know,
0: I know just a little bit <laughs> no i i i can completely relate to that and i wonder if that's an accountant's trait, but um yeah i was so focused on doing the next thing and what i perceived that are the blocks that needed to be in place to get where i wanted to be that right it was harder to it was almost more like checking a box off as opposed to like living the experience you know you know whatever what, not about the end goal but the journey i guess i wasn't very good at the journey um but I think we have managed to have some fun what do you what do you think now when you, you you're like in any t- account you've been kind of hard on yourself you're, we're talking about traits that you wish you could change what do you think your your strength that kind of has helped you the most? Uh...
1: Yeah so I mean, I definitely have so I I think the fact that I like um, I'm always willing to learn new things, right So I don't need to be comfortable and I think like I got like, if you look at my, my peers within my group, right, they all went through a very specific training, right? They went to very specific schools in the United States. They went to, they did this very, you know, New York finance track, et cetera. And that was not my background. Um, but I was always re- really willing to listen to people and to learn. And I think that's like, helped me along the way. Because um, I, I think we can learn anything, right? And I think what Gonzaga does so well is like, in many ways, we are, Although there's specifics like accounting, we're generalists. Like we are good at interacting with people, right? We're good at um, you know, solving problems. And a lot of the nebulous things that are hard to put on a resume, I think those are the things that we're best at. And um I think that allows for so much variability in what we do with our careers and the lives that we make for ourselves, both professionally, but also just like personally, right? Um
0: Right. No, that's that's actually you can learn anything except for a foreign language. Just <laughs> exactly fluently right <laughs> there's
1: a few edge cases you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, for sure for sure yeah um yeah I, you know actually with respect to languages i've almost come to the point where i'm like i'm going to learn sign american sign language Ooh, interesting. that counts and that you know that'd be cool you know oh, so
1: amazing yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely
0: no and, you know you know well, it's cool.
1: I'm going to check up on that in a year or so and see where you're at. Yeah,
0: well, give me, maybe give me like 10 years and then we'll we'll see how that goes. Have
1: you ever read um, El Depo to your kids? No. Yeah, you can check that one out.
0: What's what's the name again?
1: El Depo, D E A F O. Okay. It's a graphic novel uh, written by a woman who lost her hearing to meningitis when she was like three or four and grew up in suburbia America where kids were, you know, kind of ruthless but it's written in a humorous way you know
0: okay i'm, t- I'm gonna work. It's coming on amazon this yeah. afternoon so yeah wow el defo yeah i always thought just be like a really cool way to connect to someone that probably has all sorts of amazing insights and experiences particularly i think you know when you they say when you lose a, a sense your other senses become a lot more sharp right yeah and so um and I've always just had a dream like you know meeting some little kid that you know that's like, oh, I can sign with you. What's up, what's happening, man? You know, or you know, um, but uh yeah, we'll see that we'll put on the list. Right now I'm just just trying to make it to 5 p.m. most days, you know, as, as you well know. So <laughs> talk can you talk a little bit about being a professional woman and, and the mm. challenges and yeah, yeah, and and, and kind of how you've dealt with that or or,
1: never. <laughs> or haven't dealt with that yeah, yeah. so um or maybe
0: like a Gates Foundation it's not an issue so golden, but yeah
1: yeah I mean no no no. so yeah I think that this is a real issue and I'm just excited to see advances happening in the world on a lot of different levels right so you know on the on the uh, let me just go start from the professional spectrum and then we'll go over to the personal side right so in the finance world broadly speaking I think it's typically there's still in many sectors, it's, it's predominantly, uh, you know, still dominated by men. Um, and so that creates both its own opportunities and challenges as people sometimes dismiss you and sometimes don't. Um, I have a broad philosophy that like, I'm all about calling people in until you are too far. Like there's a point at which certain people are just too much. And I'm like, I don't ever want to work with you. So like, 97% 97% of people I'm willing to call in, probably 99%. And then there's just this one percent where I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't, I cannot work with totally. you. And that's okay. Um, but within that, like one of the folk, one of the things that our team has prioritized is ensuring that women are on boards, right? Because um that's just a like we think that helps set the tone at the top. There also we've done a lot of um research in this space, and it also like you have to have this kind of cultivated talent pool that you're growing over the years so one of the things we see is like the as every layer as you know as every promotional layer happens within the um system there's you know there's the attrition of women and and a, even greater attrition um particularly of, of BIPOC women right so i think we're pretty sensitive to that but it's like great to put people on boards but if we're also not doing work to build the system holistically like we're not we're not really solving the problem um So that's a piece of kind of our professional work on our team and that, you know, plays really has um, really interesting local context uh, implications as we do our work on boards in different geographies. Um, So I have, there's a sense of what that's like in the US and it's different in FinTech than it is in biotech but there's some similarities. Um, As I go to different countries um, it also has some implications of like, you know, why, why do we need a woman on this board? And, um, so it allows for an opportunity for conversation. Um, I think, you know, personally it's, you really do have this mentality of like, you can do it all. Right. So like you can, to our conversation a few minutes ago, you can work so hard. Right. And of course you can raise great kids and you can, um, you know, you can, you can go to public schools, and you can like be there for these events, and you can, you know, you can do all these different things. And I think um, it's been a sobering awakening for me that, like, you, to a certain degree, that's true. But there is always sacrifice
0: right. for one
1: form or another, right? So I think I am, you know, fortunate that I chose, uh, you know, a spouse who really, obviously, we value each other as equals. And he, uh, as you know, he's been uh, the stay-at-home dad in our family for the last couple of years, which has been his own cultural. Um, you know, a situation to deal with, because I think stay-at-home dads, while well more common than before, are still not super common,
0: yeah,
1: um, but it's also, you know, I think um, being in, our kids are in public schools, and there's some been some great things about that. There's also been some incredible challenges that require, it's not, money doesn't solve it, it's time that solves it, right, and so figuring out how we make sure that we spend time there, and the awesome part of my job is that I have a lot of flexibility in my work schedule so one of my kids really the situation was I needed to be in the classroom at least once a week this past year and we made that work which is awesome but it also means like all of a sudden I'm working till one o'clock in the morning because while I have flexibility about when I do my job the volume of my job is still there right and so I think for a long time I was like I can just get four hours of sleep a night, you know, and we can make this all work. But it turns out I'm not Barack Obama. And I actually need more than four hours of sleep a night. Um and so I really saw, I, I mean, just very honestly, like I was driving to work at some point and I was, I was effectively blacked out. I would have no memory of driving from my home to the office because I was so tired. No, and no. while very scary, it was actually a great um reckoning of like, no, you have to, you actually can't do it all and you're gonna have to just you're gonna have to choose. Like, what are some of the things that you say no to, um, and also, like, how do you take care of yourself, um, which was has been a good growth opportunity. So,
0: oh, that I want to make sure I say this correctly. That kind of makes me feel a little better because, like, I can't remember like conversations I had like 20 minutes ago. So <laughs> if you know, if 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 you're blacking out, then I feel better about my blackouts. <laughs> so wow yeah it's i mean it's it's funny how important sleep is especially when you start when you get kids and disrupted sleep and all that it's absolutely crazy so wow that was good that's very well put I, i appreciate that so
1: yeah um
0: awesome um what what advice do you give the a budding Zag or any college grad, for that matter, as they embark on on their career, what would you, what would your golden nugget of wisdom be?
1: Um, it's probably a couple of things. One, I think, is just appreciate the Gonzaga community for everything that it is, and that can be people who are helping you in your career, um, but as well as just like friendships. I, um, Mr. Shaw and I were joking, um, as you and I have a friend in common, that um, you know we. <laughs>
0: Mr. Shah is Sam Shah, the CFO of Riveron, I think it's called. Yeah, I
1: think that's right. Um, That um, that we, for better or for worse, we haven't made a lot of friends since Gonzaga. And, you know, (laughs) some of that's just like how focused we've been on our careers. There's like a lot of reasons for that. But honestly, one essential part of that story is just like, we made really great friends at Gonzaga, right? Right. And um, the world is full of, fantastic people. And it doesn't mean that we haven't met so many other great people in our lives. But I think there is something really unique and special about um, that period of time where you have so much time to dedicate to social relationships. um, Mm -hmm. And you're surrounded by such really good people who, you know, when you're 18 and 19 and 20, who knows what you all are going to do. But at your core, you're great people. And so none of our group of friends do the same thing. But we all love coming back together and hearing what everyone's up to and connecting with each other. So um, I think that community at the social level and also just you know, professors, alumni, et cetera, are are just tremendous um tremendous people to stay in touch with over the course of your lives. And then I think the second thing is, you know you can really do what you want to do if you're passionate about it. And um so I think I one of the things two things that I think I didn't know coming out of college that I now see in retrospect is, um one, if you work for a growing organization, they don't typically have enough people to do the work. And that allows you often to create more of a career path um, without the necessary credentials. So I think that can be really awesome. And two, the value of a good boss or a good mentor, I think is understated in our world. I don't know that I've always had those two, but I was always at a growing organization and that allowed me to shape my career. Sometimes I've had phenomenal bosses and mentors, um, but I think seeking that out is actually highly worthwhile. And then just have fun. Like this life is awesome and if you think about the things that we did in Florence that other Gonzaga students are doing studying abroad like fun doesn't have to end because you're in college it probably changes um I am never hungover now like never ever and you know I probably wasn't as much as other people were in college either but like there's just there's so many good things that you can do in life um, and places you can see and people you can meet
0: that's wow well well put um yeah. Well, that's, that was, that was, that was fantastic. Um, one final question. Will the Zags ever win at all? Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is a loaded question. Um, so as you know, we have a Jesuit rivalry in our house. Matt went to Creighton and I went to Gonzaga Oh, um, man. and our children are split. One supports Gonzaga and, um, the child that I don't speak to supports. I'm just kidding.
0: He <laughs> yeah. who um. will not be named supports. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs>
1: so. I mean, I don't think you can have the legacy that we've had, and um, and not have that happen. I do think it might be after we. Um, I'm probably saying something inappropriate, but I think we might have to leave the WCC for that to happen. At some
0: yeah, point. yeah, no, I I, I can yeah, I can definitely see that. I do. I think as long as Dewey stays around, that could happen, but. But I also, maybe you're getting towards this, but if we don't, I still think, you know, his program and him as a coach is one of the best ever. So we've been pretty fortunate to take that ride. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think when, you no, know, it wasn't, I wasn't around freshman year, but we were in the Martin Center. I mean, it wasn't, I would imagine, I mean, you went to games, maybe a couple or what?
1: Well, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is, this is what's so crazy about that, right? And to your point to his legacy, right? So freshman year I honestly don't think I went to games really at all but let me tell you once they got in the tournament we all hopped on a bus and drove 24 hours to Phoenix Arizona and saw them make it to the elite eight I mean this is like
0: it,
1: it, it's so phenomenally memorable right and then just to see the ride since then and he's built you know a team of hard workers and in you know 1999 one percent of the country knew how to pronounce Gonzaga right, right. <laughs> Right. I mean it's hard to remember back to that time but everyone's like, how do you say it right? And I mean understandably they were saying it like the Italians do but um but it, the legacy of that and the people like how that has put Gonzaga on the map is sure. it's pretty cool
0: for sure for sure you know I, we, I've I, I've always said that uh, as much as I'd like to take credit for the product we we graduate uh, at Gonzaga. It's really we just get we get good people good students. Um, a, I, I make a mistake saying good kids. They're not kids. Um, and uh, I just, I think that, like you're talking about, that word out there is is just continued to increase, you know, the the quality of, of student and exposure. And uh, I mean, you probably would get in today. I don't know if I'd get in today still. So, well.
1: Oh, you certainly would, Dr. Brassish. But just think about this, right? I think it's good students and it's good professors, right? Like those go hand in hand, right? It's, it's a community of I don't want to say like-minded people because it's not groupthink. It's just people who are salt of the year as people who are really willing to figure out like what their role is in society. And yeah, Yeah. it it brings together a really unique community.
0: Yeah. People who care. I would say, you know, know, so, well, it's awesome. Always awesome to talk to you. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: Have a wonderful summer.
0: You, You as well. Okay.